Baby, I know what a sump pump is. Do you know what a sump pump is? No. Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Abby. I'm Frida. And this week's movie is Blast from the Past. With Brendan Fraser. With Brendan. And there's other people in it that I forgot about, but we'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) Oh, coughing fit. (coughs) Coughing fit. I got back from the US like last Wednesday and I've just been like, trying to fight off these colds mm. and it just nags at me and it just nags and nags and nags and I've just given in how do I do that how do I give in to the sickness and let it take over I think just stay in bed <laughs> like just lie down put on something that you enjoy take some cold and flu tablets get a bottle of water a cup of tea don't move don't just let I'm it take you let it take you <laughs> and then it will eventually leave because the more you fight okay. it the longer it hangs around because now both of you are fighting against each other yeah my version of of fighting was going leaving work at 5 p.m yeah <laughs> cool going, i'm like going home as soon as <laughs> just not going away so a bit sick how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. I've had two weeks off. So this is something that I think is kind of important. Like, because we, like, in the land of academia, we have this whole, like, vibe of, it's almost like if you take time off, it's seen as a weakness. Like, you have to push through. You have to always uh-huh. be struggling. You have to always be. I don't know what you're talking be... about. No idea. <laughs> it's like, it's almost like we all wear it as some sort of badge of honor that, like, look at how much I've worked through. Look at me. I've worked all the way through the weekend. Look at me. I took holidays, but I was still checking emails and going to meetings. And I was like, that's not the life that I'm interested in living. So I went, I'm taking two weeks off. I put on an out of office and I didn't fucking look at a single thing for two goddamn weeks. You need it. Amazing. Your brain needs that break. You need to be able to step away entirely, enjoy your life, and then come back into work refreshed and feel like you can kind of get stuff done again. Um, the idea that you you stay like with one foot checked in the whole time is not taking mm. a rest. And then you don't go back, yeah. you don't feel refreshed, and then you just burn out because you're stressed out and you're annoyed that you didn't take any proper time off. So I'm like, no, I took proper time off. It was great. Ooh, we went to Bletchley Park. It was amazing. What is that? Bletchley is the place where they broke the Enigma code in World War Two, where Alan Turing was. Oh, cool! Yeah. Oh, I love it. I know You're it's made mad. me like it's made me want to do the imitation game, but at the same time, I don't know that I can because I do find the whole Alan Turing story so sad that it just makes me cry every time mm. I think about him. So sad. But yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I um. Academia. Do you know what, Abby? What? So I'm just so over. How do I stop wondering if I'm good enough? How do I not do that anymore? I've had enough. I want to stop. I think the thing is with academia, it's like everything that we do is always about trying to prove to the wider community that what we've done has value. And because we're constantly trying to do that, then it means that you constantly feel like you're trying to prove yourself. So you always feel like you're not as good as the other people that are then going to look at your work and then they'll get to pass judgment as to whether your work is valid or not. So it makes you feel lesser than, I think. That's kind of Mm -hmm. my, what I'm feeling about it. And I guess it's trying to find a point where you develop a confidence in your own self and work in such a way that you just say, well, I know what I'm doing is valid. And if the wider community doesn't see that, then I'm just not presenting it in the right way. But it doesn't mean that it's not valid. Mm. It's just, okay, how can I make other people see what I'm doing and value it? Mm. But the problem is, is there's a lot of politics involved in it because you're also going to have people who don't want to see value in your work because your work might invalidate their work. So I think it's more about trying to acknowledge that while you might feel the imposter monster in your brain everyone is living in a land of insecurity 
a need to prove themselves in academia. So everyone that you send your work to is also having that experience with their work. So maybe it's kind of like the looking at, you know, when they say when you're nervous to give a speech, picture the audience naked. It's kind of like that, like picture the audience in the same position as you, because at some point they are or they have been or they will Mm. be always. Yeah, it's like I think it's it's the way I think about actors as well. I think when we revere actors, I think it's really funny because like the characters that they portray are these confident, wonderful characters. But the actor himself is probably a massively insecure person who needs constant validation. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the academia is like constantly trying to prove that your work has value, the work that the work is novel, trying to do something novel and be told constantly that it isn't novel enough, trying to go something for a better journal, being told to go to a lesser journal. Like, and people are so openly and like generous in their criticisms and it's constant and it's hard. It's just the environment of the way that our fucking world is set up. The world Mm. of academia is set up to Mm. constantly make people question themselves, which is Mm -hmm. a negativity thing about it. But that's just what it's. I'm not saying that's just what academia is. I'm saying to the people out there who don't know, like that is what it is like to live in academia, particularly as a woman in physics, I would say. Boo. (laughs) it's hard Uh, okay alright movie yeah yeah we are we we did a movie right we're talking about that (laughs) we're talking about a movie oh man alright so let's talk about this movie that I'm really happy I told you before we started recording that I'm really glad that we had a little bit of space in between when I watched it and originally researched it and now because I got so caught up in nuclear war <laughs> stuff <laughs> and I was like pretty down on things so I've got a, I've got a healthy emotional distance okay <laughs> so we can get right into it last in the past so here's me thinking I'm in the mood for another Brendan Fraser romp with a huge dose of Alicia Silverstone. Mm. And who's in the movie? <laughs> Christopher Walken and Sp- Sissy Spacek. What a delight. <laughs> I've totally forgot. Yeah. Walken and Spacek play a professor turned inventor. He drank Dr. Pepper hot. Good God. And his wife <laughs> expecting a child during the Cuban Missile Crisis. When a plane crashes over their house, they mistake it for the big bomb and head for the shelter in their underground bunker. 35 years later, their adult son, Adam, is sent out on a mission to find out what has survived, get supplies, and maybe a wife. Armed with vintage baseball cards and 1960s stock certificates, he boldly ventures into the apocalypse the gag being that this is indistinguishable from contemporary los angeles meaning 90s los angeles jaded la girl eve and her gay bff troy are at first aghast at this clean-cut alien but eventually see the merits in his 1960s manners and gentlemanly charm hilarity ensues everyone ends up insanely wealthy and buys sports cars. <laughs> 1990s fashion is everything, darling. <laughs> 1990s like rom-com plots is everything. Everyone ends up rich and getting all their heart's desires. We should only watch these types of movies. Totally. <laughs> I forgot those movies. Yeah. So... So, so, I mean, I wrote in the thing that we should just immediately talk about cast because yeah. it's all about it. So let's, let's, um, before we talk about cast, any like initial reactions? I just forgot. I had seen it, but I forgot it. And then I was watching it and I like, initially I was a bit like, Ugh, and I, I don't know if I want to go through this story. And then I was just watching it and I was just like, it's just so delightful. <laughs> Mm-hmm. just it is it's just so delightful yeah. that's it it is delightful and yeah it's a very enjoyable they're all they're all wonderful speaking of everyone let's talk about the cast so we are returned with some brendan fraser so he was in the mummy and now he's back blast from the past 
So to me, he just is just reaffirming my Brendan Fraser love, how totally amazing he is. And and I look back, it's like my appreciation for him and everyone, but for him, it just increases with time and distance from him and how much people aren't like like him. Yeah. He's a dream. He's a total dream. I adore him. Yeah, and such good physical comedy as well. I don't think anyone else could have played this character the way that he did. Like, and made him likable and not ridiculously creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just nice. He was so earnest. That's the thing. There's something about Brendan Fraser that he just has this um, earnestness. He's so genuine. Like, he just comes across as... I don't know. You just, yeah. You're like, I love you. Just a nice, loving guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then Alicia Silverstone, who I just, firstly, her hair really is amazing. She has a whole thing about her hair in the movie, but her hair, it really is. Again, like just the more distance I have from these icons, the more iconic and amazing they become. But she really is her whole, she's styled so well. She is so gorgeous. Just, I, she has a big frown though. You know, she's got this giant frown. The movie, you know what I mean? The the movie genuinely just made me go, I miss Alicia Silverstone. Like, I miss seeing her in things. I know she's in stuff, but I just, uh, whatever, the stuff that she's in recently, I haven't watched. And I was just like, I just need to, yeah, I need to see more of her. She is in the Babysitter's Club. She's one of their mums. Aww. Uh, Cool. All right. Now, Christopher Walken. <laughs> Christopher Walken. Well, we haven't. I had no idea he was in this, and we ha- I don't think we've done anything with him yet. I don't think Am I so. Wrong? Yeah, no, I think you're right. No. <laughs> so ridiculous. Both of them. I'll just bring both of them out. Sissy Spacek and Christopher Walken. Like, they're such legends of just physical comedy. She, oh, yeah. Especially her. I, I, All the physical she, comedy is kind of her. She is incredible. <laughs> Every shot of her is perfection. She is just, when she's just in the background, she, oh, she's amazing. Every movement that she makes, I, I love her so much. She had with the coming with rolling. the pot roast. Yeah. She's coming down with the pot <laughs> roast. She's like, oh, so with the waist, the pot roast, like everything. Yeah. She's just this 60s housewife. Yeah. And then this slow descent into alcoholism. Oh, that was, yeah, that was just the beauty of it. There's even a bit, and I have like a few funny bits later, but this bit, before I forget, she's got the martini glass and she's, she wants, this is right before she goes up to check everything, check it all out. Yeah. Uh, she has a martini glass and she sort of creeps in on her husband to see if he's sleeping and then backs out but the martini glass gets like stuck in the door for a second (laughs) just this these tiny little things are so funny beautiful anyways so that's that and and also there's um gosh there's a few other people in here obviously oh i've got Um, nathan fillion cameo nathan fillion has a cameo yes exactly as the boyfriend yeah i just i always um, appreciate a nathan nathan fillion appearance always for sure. And there's um, Troy, David Foley. Dave Foley. He was so good. He was really great. And also it's funny how they kind of made him full character. He was like gay BFF, but he sort of, I don't know, developed his character a little bit as well. Yeah, he wasn't um, just like a yeah. sidekick. He became very much a part of the story with his own 100%. kind of like relationship with him as well, which I, which I thought was very, which is just really lovely. Yeah, yeah, he was a real 90s. He was from news radio. My God, remember news radio? What the hell? He also did a voice in The Bug's Life. Like, just so... <laughs> and, and then um, what is the guy who plays the cult leader? Absolutely hilarious. This total genius. Jo- oh, Joey Slotnick. Yeah. So funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on, that was bloody hilarious. It was so perfect. When the mom comes up and he's like, they're like, who are you? And she's like, I'm the mother. <laughs> the mother. <laughs> oh my god we'll talk about the whole gag and the themes thing but moving along let's talk about funny bits okay funny bits or best bits what have you got (laughs) stay out of the adult bookstore (laughs) 
Oh. What did he say? Those poison oh. gas, it's invisible. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking brilliant. Do you have a back room? They're like, oh yeah, we've got a back room. <laughs> so my sissy Spacek furiously cleaning the sink when hearing about trans people. <laughs> oh my God. And then uh, her screaming room. <laughs> she has like a screaming room. and uh, another funny thing was that um there's a scene where they're in the bunker and christopher walken is reading this is this is the funny like people obviously had a good sense of humor on the set he is reading how to make friends and influence people in the bunker (laughs) that's what he's reading whilst she is like drinking a chardonnay with the belts with the like belt thing exercise yeah you know, there's like, I don't even know what that Tommy Toner is. She's drinking a Chardonnay and he's reading Dale Carnegie. Like, like there's the whole story going on. Like this whole rom-com, great. And then yeah. there's just Sissy Spacek and Christopher Walken hamming it up elsewhere. <laughs> and every now and then you'll catch them. They'd be doing some other hilarious thing. Slowly losing their minds. <laughs> All right. I had a couple of other funny bits. Uh, so Brendan Fraser, when he opens up the present with like gusto, you know, his present yeah. with the ribbons like flying, he's like, oh, wow, that was, that was excellent comedy as well. And then the last one I had was hot diggity dog. Thanks for calling me up on the telephone. <laughs> the whole thing, like the whole thing about him being out there in the world was like, I was so stressed the entire time about him being taken advantage of, which is why I really appreciate these like old 90s like rom-com movies because you know that it's going to be positive in the end. You know it's going to have a good outcome. He's going to be okay. So I can handle mm-hmm. the stress of watching his innocence as he walks around the place. Yeah, Bless and him. on her stepping in to help him out, you know, yeah. it was great. Okay, so I'm sure there'll be more funny bits as we go along. But let's just talk about themes because... Because there's this whole gag in there. There's this whole gag continuing about, you know, the fact that modern life, contemporary LA, can be mistaken for an, a dystopia. Oh, yeah. yeah. And all these gags about how they're like, oh, my God, you won't believe what's up there. People are mutants, you know, whatever. They're, you know, drug addicts and sex shops and all this kind of thing. It's like this decline of society. Um and the nostalgia, of course, for the 60s, gentlemanly behavior. So they're like, it's a moral and moral decline of America. And there's like a nostalgia for better times. So although the gag is kind of hilarious and it just keeps on giving more and more and more, but it led me to wonder like, like why? Well, first of all, it was like their movie's opinion on contemporary USA and they're like, oh, the old fashioned values are such amazing values in the way things used to be like is a little problematic but also like why did everything decline unless it seems to have declined like why did that happen in america right things were so rosy and then things were like that like it just made me be like well why um, Capitalism. So but, well yeah but let's on the first <laughs> point i guess did you think there was merit to the message of like good nice people not wanting to cheat you and not wanting to hurt you and just wanting to be nice and and gentlemanly behavior and being like a lady which is making people comfortable he says did you think that like how do you feel about the message of the movie i i think yes and no i think maybe at the time i probably like when it first came out and i would have first watched it i would have felt more like a weird nostalgia for that type of behavior but looking at it with today's eye and and my own like kind of life experiences there's still problematic sides to the behavior that's being portrayed in this ideal of the 60s like i just you know there's aspects to it where you think yes of course the the kindness the you know honesty trustworthiness and all that kind of stuff is is lovely but then there's also parts of it where it's obviously very sexist. So there's parts yeah. that I can't really get on board with. And also, I mean, it's more about his innocence than the 60s as well. Yeah. Because it's not like 
guys in the 60s would have been equally shitty to women, like fucking women over or cheating yes. on women. Yeah, or being rude and disrespectful. So the idea that like those values were any better than these values is like kind of dishonest. Yeah. Because I'm sure there true. were guys like getting girls pregnant and then like fucking off in the 60s too. <laughs> like, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was more like his innocence, I guess. Yeah. And being raised in a vacuum, as it were, right? Not in the world. And so he, his idea is like what his parents tell him and of like these perfect TV shows of idealized yeah. families. So I think that's yeah. probably what the most unbelievable part for me is. The fact that he would be able to come out of that bunker and interact with actual human beings without any issue whatsoever. The fact that all these values that have been instilled in him has allowed him to be able to be perfectly capable in this massive social situation in this world that he has never seen before. That that Mm. is the only thing that's just a little bit like, I don't know if that's how somebody raised in that environment would actually be behaving if they came out. Yeah, there's this short story, this Australian uh, writer called Paul Jennings, and he did a short story called Yes is No. And it was about a professor that was doing a experiment about tv and the ch- like children being able to have only tv to pick up on stuff and it was like raise his child in isolation with just the tv and then him teaching the child just to prove whatever he was proving and it's a pretty interesting short story right about that worth tra- tracking down yeah so i think we're pretty much in agreement on that like the thing is like they're also lovely and so it's innocent enough so you watch it and yeah. you're like he's lovely brendan fraser is lovely yeah but I do love the scene where she kisses him and she's like, fuck, I really shouldn't be doing this. It was good. Like it didn't mm. like, no, he is kind of like not somebody she should be falling in love with. A la Thor, you know, Natalie Portman. Yeah. Question this lady. Like, <laughs> exactly. so I did appreciate that she was like, oh, I really shouldn't be doing this. Like, this is wrong. This guy needs help. So the, the way that went, I was like relieved in a sense. Right. I was on board with the characters. So honestly, because they were also likable. Yeah, I was cool, and I think at the end of the day, with a movie, like if the characters are well written and well acted, like you can forgive the like bigger messages if you find them problematic. Okay, so the next point I wanted to discuss is this idea of like what's happened to America in the ninety between the sixties and the nineties, and I was thinking about it, and I came up with well, you said capitalism for shiz. I came up with two reasons. One is deinstitutionalization deinstitutionalization of yeah so there used to be facilities to house people that were mentally unwell whether they were great facilities or not all those were shut down meaning that there were more people on the streets so that's the first point so there's a massive deinstitutionalization and also a massive stripping back of social services as well that happened in the u.s of course so closing down institutions shutting down social services to help people and of course, heroin. Um, so uh, yeah, that was a thing, epidemic. And then the next thing was obviously there was a financial crash, wasn't right. there? Black Friday, 1989 was a huge, uh, yeah, went to a huge crash. So there's a couple of reasons, but yeah, the 80s okay. was a problem of stripping back all the services and enriching the rich and the poor people just got kind of worse off but there's loads of reasons why it happened but those are the two main things i settled on health services going down and a financial crash that's all yeah so the idea of like what's happened to society it's like fuck you (laughs) what's happened to society what do you fucking think happened to (laughs) so okay let's get into the other things let's get into our first section you ready Yes. First section, trope oh. of the week. Have I missed I'm something? Oh, you're Shit. not ready. Get... Trope? Oh, uh, I think I didn't. I think I've already said. Yeah, that's fine. You've said it. All right. Welcome yeah. to our first section, trope of the week. Abby, have you already said your trope by accident? Yeah, I think so. What is it? What was it? I, it, it was It was related to the whole, um, this idea that like we romanticize this time period the kind of 50s 60s is seen as Uh like this really romantic era to be in but like in reality as you pointed out a while ago it's like there was so many things that were wrong with that time and and while there is yeah this kind of gentleman-like behavior but yeah it 
I don't know. It's just the way that we portray a gentleman means that, you know, he's someone from the 50s or 60s, which basically just sets women back decades to kind of to idealize this gentleman-like behavior instead of just being Mm -hmm. able to say, like, can't you just move up into just being kind and nice people? Yeah. Instead of, like, making it about a certain decade that, like, we all kind of go, oh... Wasn't I just want nice? to be like a 50s housewife. Yeah. I, I used to always say that. I used to always say like, oh, I think I just want to be like a 50s housewife. And it's like, God, being a 50s housewife would probably be pretty fucking horrific. Yeah, well, there's and some dull. essays about that. Yeah. <laughs> the problem so. with no name. <laughs> Go read it. Um, but yeah, I guess it's different if you're a middle class or working class. Like also we think about, you know, affluent middle class women in their country homes. Yeah. That's, that's one thing. kind of person in the 50s. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that's romanticized, I think. And then the rest of them, we just don't see the rest of them. We just don't even see them. We romanticize yeah. those women who just were bored and drinking prescription medication. But yeah, like the fact yeah. that the mentally ill people existed, they were just all in these institutions like dribbling in the corner and then those were shut down and then they were all on the street. <laughs> like, And just yeah. because you didn't see them, it doesn't mean they weren't there yeah so what was your trope heroin okay my trope was i had two one was like a bit of a revisit of the born sexy yesterday trope but this time with a man oh yeah what's so attractive is the fact that he's basically a child in the in the in the shape of a sexy man (laughs) so you have the eye candy of brendan fraser without the complications of male adulthood which is so fucked up. It's and she at least recognizes creepy. that. And Nathan Fillion is a real living and breathing man who has issues. And she's like, yeah. Ugh. Brendan Fraser has no issues because he's like basically a child. He even looks, I love that. Like, how can you be 35? You look like you're 25. You know, right? so it's like, yeah. That's my biggest that's discomfort a joke in well. the whole movie is the fact that he's 35. Like, to mm. me, that's like, that's old. Like, you're coming on 40, man. And yeah. no, like, it just made me uncomfortable. Yeah, born sexy yesterday. So, I mean, and then relating to that is my actual trope, which is I call them dress them up, where they dress him up. (laughs) They're like, let's get you out of those clothes and put you in 90s clothes. And they're just like looking at him like he's a Ken doll. Oh, yeah. It's the she's all that. It's in every 90s movie. Somebody has to be shown how to, like, how to be, how to be popular, basically. Yeah. And I mean, and the fashion, 90s fashion is just so good. Minimal. It is great. The pants, the black pants, the, the jackets that go down down the hips. And he's like, oh, can I take him around your block? And Troy's like, what do you think, Eve? Can he go around your block? <laughs> so good. <laughs> Rollerblades. Oh, God. But I couldn't help it because he's so cute and the clothes were so good. Everything sucked me in. <laughs> All right, science time. Okay, what are we talking about here? Nuclear fallout shelters. Okay, so you <laughs> after asked me, all of that, after all of that, nuclear. what's the movie about? It's the Cuban <laughs> Missile Crisis. A Cuban Missile Crisis, which is 1962, and your question was, how close did they come to a nuclear war? And the answer is so close, right? So terrifyingly close. Like I was so bummed about this. Oh God. Um. I think that I guess leading up to the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Black Saturday, October 27, 1962, was like the climax of the crisis. But leading up to that, obviously, there were a lot of tensions in the Cold War. And um, America had missiles stationed in Turkey and Italy pointed towards Russia. And at this point, Fidel Castro in Cuba had convinced Soviets that America posed a huge threat and that they should have missiles pointed in Cuba at America. So that's kind of where we are, that there's these four submarines that are traveling from Russia to Cuba with missiles and troops at landing in Cuba, Russian troops getting ready. And all these things are posed where we have weapons in Cuba facing America, weapons um, in Turkey facing Russia and the tensions are like so crazy high and um, Khrushchev and Kennedy are like sending letters back and forth trying to negotiate 
Um, and Kennedy has his brother, Robert Kennedy, come in to write like letters and they're trying to go back and forth between each other. Now, we come to Black Saturday. At this point, we have Khrushchev missiles in Cuba and ones in pointing at Russia in Italy and Turkey. Okay. Soviet forces are like really, really tense, like tense as all hell because of um, Castro's like getting them wound up. And this guy, Rudolf Anderson, is a spy, is a spy plane pilot enters the Cuban airspace to photograph missile sites and he flew over the site that was targeting Guantanamo Bay. So they shoot the plane down. They realize it's too risky and he dies, right? That's like on this day, the first okay. casualty of the Cold War, basically. And later that night, both parties are kind of trying to make a deal. At the same time, they're trying to make a deal. The U.S. forces finally found out where the submarines are because they're tracking them the whole time. And each of those submarines have a nuclear-tipped torpedo. Okay? okay? And they start dropping signaling depth charges on top of them to get them to surface. This is happening at the same time they're trying to do a deal, like at night on Black Saturday. Um, they're basically, you let them know you've been detected, and it's not under attack. It's like a thing. But at that point, the sailors in those submarines are fucking suffering because they came from much colder waters and they entered the tropical waters. Conditions became shocking. It was at some point 60 degrees Celsius. So they were like dehydrated. They felt like nauseous and it was terrible for those sailors. And because these were diesel submarines, they were designed for Arctic, Arctic seas, what the actual fuck, right? So you can imagine that they're basically really suffering in there. And one particular submarine, the B-59, had been chased by the U.S. Navy for two days. Like for two days straight, they're being chased by the Navy under the waters, okay? And things had gotten really bad because during those two days, the ventilation system shut down, shut down and some of the officers were even fainting, right? So they're getting these charges, signaling depth charges like dropping down, boom, 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 again and again. And the thing is that had no new orders for a week, just like don't get caught by the Americans. And for 24 hours, they can't contact Moscow. There's no new orders. They can't contact Moscow. They thought the war had begun, oh. right? And the thing is, the Soviet signal to resurface is three grenades, boom, boom, boom. And apparently it's different from the US one. So they weren't getting a signal to resurface. They're just being harassed for six hours the Americans are harassing the B-59. At that point, the captain of the submarine orders the nuclear torpedo to be launched. But the thing is, there were three captains of the ship and all of them needed approval. He wanted to launch it because he's like, the Soviets will not be humiliated. But one of them, Vasily Arkhipov, was the commander of the whole fleet and they required his permission to launch the attack. So the two commanders that wanted to do it, this one guy was like, no. The thing is, he had a very cool head and the other guy was pretty impulsive. He didn't allow it. So that he single-handedly prevented nuclear war. Wow. And after that, they basically were like, well, we better improve communications. So they basically made a direct line between Russia and America. And the, like, so that they, this never happened again because yeah. the communication was so fucked. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Anyway, that is the truth of how fucking close it came. That, so that was the day. Okay. When the movie starts. How, that is how scary it was for Americans. I guess we can talk about, like, what did Americans actually think about in terms of the fallout shelters. So let's start talking about DIY fallout shelters and how those came to be. Okay? Like, how many people did it? Like, would it have worked? Okay, so this is a whole journey. Because in 1949, the Soviets tested their first nuclear bomb. And in 1951, that was when this famous duck and cover ads were released, telling Americans to duck and cover. There was a turtle. Okay. Did you know this one? There was no. a turtle by the name of Bert. And Bert the turtle was very... No? Dum, no. dum. Dealer, dum, dum. It was a cartoon of a turtle. And they were basically saying duck and cover. Okay. Um, the thing is that that wasn't terrible advice because the nuclear weapons at that time didn't had limited range. They would be dropped from the sky, meaning huge amount of warning, and um, it didn't have such a big load. So okay. ducking and covering inside your house is not terrible advice. And it was then to, it was about being shielded from the flash of the nuclear, like the burn. Okay. Now, but in 1952, the H bomb is tested, and the fireball was like larger than anything that ever happened before. Okay. And then in 1953, the Soviets tested their own bomb. And so basically it was like, well, the Soviets have this, duck and cover becomes obsolete. 
Then they did a bomb test in 1954 and revealed the idea of fallouts. So the fact that not only is there this huge firebomb, but there's this idea of nuclear fallout, which is sort of the particles from the bomb, nuclear matter would sort of drop everywhere and that you had to be indoors to protect you from that. So then it basically came this idea of the shelter, um, public fallout shelters. Here's where it's really interesting. The fact is the public fallout shelters were modeled at $25 billion, which became like ridiculous, like to build enough shelters underground for everybody to be protected from all of this stuff was $25 billion. So that is when 1958, the policy became DIY because it's too expensive. And that's when the ads started being made. Wow. They're like, the only way we can protect people from this insane threat is to tell you to do it yourself because we can't afford it. And so that was around this time when the ads started getting made, telling people to protect themselves and companies were selling all this stuff. And there was like this famous ad with this guy called Walt and he's like, hey, look at my fallout shelter. And he was got a hammer in one hand and like a cigar in the other hand. And he's like showing his neighbors his cool fallout shelter. <laughs> so, well, I was, can I just ask, because I was wondering yes. about like whether the ads that they played were real ads. Probably. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of ads. It became like, oh, people setting up businesses and selling Americans uh, stuff. And just like how many Americans actually built them, it was like 1.4%, which is little, but that's like um, two and a half million people. So it's not nothing. Um, but yeah, so that was up until 1961. There was this like Kennedy really inflamed shit. He made this huge speech directing the government to do public fallout shelters. Um, and the cost was much lower. So they ended up building just like shitty <laughs> retrofitted basements, like nothing. Um, and the reason why he did that was this like public display of like America will survive. What like, he wanted to show Khrushchev that we will rebuild and we're going to build fallout shelters. So they built all these shitty fallout shelters and the, the plan was basically a failure. And so America, like you still see in people's houses, these like signs that show this was the designated public fallout shelters. Oh, wow. They, they'll still, they exist like all around America now, but it was like, it was like a bullshit effort. The whole thing was just to prove to the Russians that we will rebuild and survive. Okay. <laughs> just pro- prove our strength and the fact that we can rebuild. Not about protecting the people. No. Well, that's the thing. Would it have protected, like, would fallout shelters have done anything, Abby? Yeah, I see. I don't know. And I'm really hoping you're going to tell me. <laughs> I will tell you. And so Tsar <laughs> Bomba was tested by the Russians in 1961, it had a payload of 50 megatons. So I wanted to find out if Tsar Bomba dropped in said city, you know, what, what, what would the devastation be? So I went to Nuke Map. This is actually a thing by a guy called Alex Wellerstein um, designed this thing, website, Nuke Map, which allows you to pick a city and simulate if a bomb dropped in that city. Oh my God. So I did you a favor and I've detonated Tsar Bomba at the Tower of London. Thank thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> I do appreciate it. <laughs> so you'd have to be in Gloucester to guarantee that you wouldn't get radiation burns. Okay. So that's the first thing. Cool. I, like, I, I appreciate you doing it this way. I don't know where the fuck Gloucester is. <laughs> it's very far away. <laughs> it's like by the water. Okay. But, but I know where you are. I know where you live. Right. I know where you live, girl. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Go on then. Because I have, okay, so, but, but, but forget the radiation burns for a second. What is in the area in which a fallout shelter would not help you is the firebomb. Anything in the firebomb is completely vaporized. Okay. No, nothing can help you if you're in the firebomb area. Right. And that is all the way, anything between Mayfair and Poplar okay. is totally okay. vaporized. Oh my if God. If it drops in okay. the Tower of London, Mayfair to Poplar, gone. There is nothing right. anything can do. Anything all the way out to Notting Hill <laughs> okay, will just get will heavy damage. Concrete buildings can topple. And actually, fatalities is like 100%. Right. So, so vaporized up until Mayfair, but Notting Hill is like everyone's still dying. It's yeah. just not vaporized per se. Um, okay. So I, I, you won't, nothing will survive. Fallout shelter won't do anything. Certainly if it's not what most of the shelters was, were retrofitted basement. Nuclear fallout is actually not your issue there. Nuclear fallout is your issue 
like all the way out where right. you won't be touched by the destruction. So, but if the wind was facing the direction of Oxford, yeah. nuclear fallout would reach all the way, all the way to Wales <gasps> and Oxford would still get like a hundred rads per hour, which is well enough to cause serious yeah. illness. So if the wind was facing in your direction, the fallout. Yeah. Now, how do you protect yourself from fallout? It's much okay. easier than you think. Are you I'll telling me ca- that if I get in a shelter in Oxford, I'm fine? Yeah, I reckon. Okay, so, so we're going to go to B&Q in a while and we're going to start digging up the garden. <laughs> <laughs> no, to protect yourself from fallout, it's like kind of anything will do, to be honest. Oh, like okay. anything between you and the fallout would help. Okay. Like anything is better than nothing. And then it's like, there's perfect. So ideally the perfect thing is this three feet of three feet underground is, is ideal, which is two feet of concrete, six inches of steel, five feet of water or nine feet of wood. That's like the perfect thing, but really anything is good. Just stay inside and hide. So, and it, they go like two weeks after the bomb hits, levels outside already one one thousandth, one thousandth of the original level. But okay. you could start to go outside even a day after for like a little bit amount of time to empty rubbish or something like that. Um, you also don't need, you don't like need a special ventilation system either. Um, this is all about gamma rays. And yeah. you know, they're not going to get into your ventilation system. So it's about things giving out gamma rays and, um, and wanting to get all those bits off you. Okay. So that is how to protect yourself. <laughs> cool. Writing it down. In short, if you're inside the firebomb, nothing will help you. If you're outside the firebomb, still nothing might help you. But if you're even more outside, like in the countryside, then just stay indoors and you'll be <laughs> whatever. It's just very depressing. Oh, God. But wait, but sorry, hang on one second, though, because if you said if the wind is facing in this direction, there's still like 100 rad per hour. Yeah, yeah. So like... Just hide. But how is that, how is that not, pen? like, how is that not coming through? Like, if you're just in your house, is your house protecting you from 100 rad? Better than if you're outside. Like, there's okay. the perfect amount, which is, what, two feet of concrete? Right. To protect okay. yourself from the gamma rays. But, like, anything that stops them. And, and, and everything will stop them a little bit. So, obviously, being yeah. inside underground okay. is better than not being underground. So it's it's sort of like the the more you can put between yourself and the gamma rays, the better you'll be. So 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 your best bet really if you don't have an underground bunker is get in your cupboard inside your house and kind put of yeah. Maybe your mattress Blankets. and your quilts around you. Kind in of cupboard in your house. Okay. To reduce the impact. And then once the once the rad... So I do know, because I, I actually did some research recently on radiation levels, because I was looking at like what the radiation levels for astronauts were. So it's a maximum of... Um, oh my God, I've forgotten it. Yeah, this is something that we should tell our listeners, because people want to know this shit, I think it's a way. maximum... Uh, uh, hold on. Hold on, I have it. I have it written. Like I literally did a video about this the other day. <laughs> Um, I have the number somewhere. One second. Um, not that one. Not that one. This one. Um, it is 50 rad per year Mm. for the limit for radiation exposure. So if you're saying like what, it goes down by... 100 rads per hour. Yeah. But then you said it goes down by how much? A thousand. After Two weeks after. Two Two weeks weeks after. So, so yeah, so you could, so you could go out. So, so long as you, so long as you limit your, your amount of time out there so that you don't, Mm. basically you want to limit so that overall your total exposure per year would be less than 50 rats. Mm. Wear a big outfit, like throw the, throw that out. Give yourself a really good scrub. Yeah. At that point. And yeah, you limit. It's just about limiting, limiting, limiting. It's not like you step out. You're like, cancer. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, Actually, this is so weird, Abby. But while I was researching this, I was had the radio on and it's like just community radio. And this guy's like, and here's a song about fallout shelters. 
And it ah. was this song where the guy was like, ain't gonna build no fallout shelter. Ain't gonna build no fallout shelter. I put my faith in the Lord above. It was like, no, I shit no. you not. Like, that, like a total old fashioned coincidence not to do with the Google listening or anything. Oh my God, so I did, I, tr- I tried to find that song and, and it's funny because it, there was that opinion of like, God chooses when the world ends and we don't interfere. And there was a survey where like 7% of Americans held that opinion that, that like it's God's will. Oh my um, God. But there's another song I found called Peter Scott Peters, Peter Scott Peters, Hang on. Fallout Shelter. Hang on, can I just, sorry, yeah. sorry, I just want to, yeah. it's God's will. Okay, so they're saying it's God's will. But then okay. they're also saying that there's people in the world that would go to hell because they don't follow the path of God. So you've got to convert the people that, to follow the path of God. So what if it's the person that doesn't follow the path of God and is the person who would go to hell is the person that is releasing the bomb? So then is that God's will? Does God want that person to release the bomb? Hello, because that's the person that you think would go to hell. So like, how would it possibly be God's will? <laughs> Unless a godly person was the one to, if you believe the person that released the bomb is a godly person, then you believe that God told the person to release it and therefore then it's God's will. But if you believe that that person is a bad person who's going to go to hell, then it can't be God's will because they're not doing God's thing because they wouldn't be God's messenger. Yeah, that. That's what I have to say about that. So, seven, yeah, seven percent of people also agreed only a coward builds a fallout shelter. There's some really good questions here. <laughs> But 30% people said, I, I wouldn't want to live through an attack. If I knew everybody died, I wouldn't want to live. Right. So th- this, this survey that I'm quoting, which I'll post, surveyed quite a lot of people. Um, just had a, it's a big I think if, if I knew that it was decimated, if I knew outside everything was completely gone, and if I knew I could live for the rest of my life in the fallout shelter that was in this movie. I think I could do that. Yeah. Go down there with all my books. <laughs> or yeah, they had Reader's Digest. They had like Reader's Digest, yeah. like some short books as like cliff notes. So there was a lot of stuff in the set of the movie that were little jokes to like, not what you'd have if you were yeah. planning to be there for 30 years. Uh, another funny song that I found was called, no, no, this one is called Fallout Shelter. It's called I'm Not Scared, I'm Prepared. Let the missiles fly from nation to nation. It's party time in my radiation station. Oh my god! My radiation station. Another song. Door Alpert Fallout Shelter. I'm gonna lock my heart to keep out radiation. The kind you got could blow out a nation. And never more will I open the door because I might get contamination. That was a, talking about a woman. It was like, ah. the kind of radiation. Yeah. <laughs> Some good stuff. Um... Oh, yeah, wow. so just to get a sense of like how many people gave a shit, Good Housekeeping published an editorial, a frightening message for a Thanksgiving issue, telling readers your only hope of salvation is a place to go. It urged them to contact the government for free plans to make a shelter at home. 50,000 people did so. So wow. like a reasonable amount of Americans were pretty worried and built a shelter. Yeah, okay. Um, Most people, but like, 75% said if they offered me a, three, a free one, I would do it. But like about the same people agree that most people cannot afford, uh, yeah. not afford that. There's some, it's, it's interesting. This article is pretty interesting, this survey. It's like 3,500 people that were questioned in 1961. It's pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, it's really easy to get super caught up in yeah. the Cuban Missile Crisis. Please God, oh, sorry, that was please God. I should, so hopefully, we're not back. We we don't have to go back here again. Um, it's scary. It scared me. I felt scared. I felt scared when I found out how how close. Yeah, it's, it's upsetting. It upsets me. Um, but there's a lot of survival stuff. All right, we, let's just talk about survival shit because, like, it's such a rabbit hole, and I can only take so much. But I did look up power like okay because you were like how much stuff needed power even down to her like exercise equipment 
Right? This or like the thing is, they're not conserving shit. anything. They're literally yeah. like just living as they would or actually mm-hmm. more than they would for 35 years. And I was just like, holy crap. What? Like. Yeah. So. Also, they... wait, sorry. I don't know if you're going to mention it, but like, because what you said about the radiation stuff earlier. So 35 years is bullshit, right? So it depends. What are the isotopes in there? But yeah, some of them have very long half-life. All right. Okay. So, I mean, he's an alarmist, obviously. Um, yeah. But he's not totally, like, it's not totally crazy. So. Okay. Um, yeah, it depends on what the isotopes are. Some of them have a shorter half-life and some of them have fucking long half-lives. Um Okay, so maybe I'll do an Instagram post or a TikTok just explaining what might be in there. So, bum, bum, bum. okay, it says in the movie in the beginning there is a kind of comment that one of the people says at the party that apparently he's invented some sort of battery. And I'm assuming that was just to sort of explain how the power was running is that he's invented, like he was a professor oh, now, okay. his inventor, and what he's invented is some miracle battery. So I agree that a battery is the best way to go. And I looked on survival websites to check this. And they say whether you're bugging in or bugging out, as they say, (laughs) you want your equipment to be operational when you need them the most. So it's very important you have your power. Critical equipment might be lighting, communications, refrigeration for food and medicines, a freezer for food and ice. Ice is really, there's a lot of uses for ice. Ice is very important. Okay. So ice might be really something that you need to be prepared with entertainment which they have a lot of medical equipment like oxygen cpap and i'm thinking with delivering the baby preparing for delivery of a baby i'm imagining <laughs> literally i was like how do they stitch her up after she had the baby <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> i'm sorry she needed a chair i mean not everyone tears but oh, okay but also yeah you can't it's so dangerous you can't just deliver a baby <laughs> But also the way she went. That's how geniuses work. That's like Iron Man. That's like the Iron Man thing. (laughs) A genius is a genius. Yeah, the way she went to labor, she was like, oh, oh. I'm like, honey, it doesn't start like that. It's sort of like it goes for a day. You're like, is that? (laughs) Could be. And you're like, oh, might be. And then you're like, oh. Yeah, the way it starts in these kind of 90s movies, they are fun. But the way babies get born in 90s movies is like stupid okay medical equipment fans and air exchange definitely water pump and filtration security system power door they've got their power doors and sump pump baby i know what a sump pump is do you know what a sump pump is no okay because i've got a sister sisters that live in america and a lot of their houses are like built and they have these basements and they're built on like ground that is wet as fuck and so they have to oh. constantly be pumping away stuff from the basement and they get this thing called a sump pump and it just spits out like ground water because they're oh, all digging okay. underground and that's what it does it has to constantly be going because there's constantly water filling up underground right. in some places more than others but my my sisters that live in america have that big issue with that everyone needs a sump pump so that needs to run all the time otherwise things get flooded so batteries, there are a lot of battery chemistries um, and a lot of untested batteries that aren't commercialized. So I'm sure people that have sort of insane survival people would have crazy sort of untested, uncommercialized batteries with them, probably. People invent okay. shit all the time. Yeah. But the main thing is you want something that has many charge-discharge cycles and something that doesn't require maintenance and something that won't have issues with uh, enclosed ventilation unventilated spaces because that can be something which makes a battery explode okay you might have to take it out every now and then you don't want to do that because you don't want to be discovered um and so the battery that's like the closest battery that's like invented uh or wasn't invented it was invented in the 70s not the 60s but whatever let's just say he was ahead of his time is a silicon dioxide battery that was developed by the military so this is their liquid free so they've got no leakage which is good. And they have an amazing temperature range. They can go like through many different temperatures. There's no risk of freezing or nothing like that. And they can go up to 2,800 cycles of charge and discharge. 
uh, which is really a long life battery. So if you have like loads of those batteries, you could run things for a very long time. Okay. The question is how do you charge them? And the thing about these batteries is that you can use a combination of many, many different ways to charge it. You could do solar somehow. I don't know how he could have done that. Hydro, maybe that. Wind, okay. I don't know how he would do that. Mm-hmm. Generator, you would not use. It would be a terrible, terrible idea to use a generator because carbon monoxide poisoning would be an issue if he was underground. Um, right. The heat okay. and, yeah. So, but yeah, I'm imagining he invented... Look, actually, I just realized it's a made-up story. It's made up. So... <laughs> Fuck you it. just realized that now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm spending way too much time on this. It would be a battery. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm done. So... <laughs> I think, I think like the battery description is enough. Yeah. We don't need to. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Um, that's kind of like all the things I wanted to say about fallout shelters. Um, I started to look into food. Similar, I started to look into food and then I was like, I don't, whatever. Like, it, You're supposed to prepare for two weeks. It's like the thing. Right, 35 okay. years, it's just a made up amount. I don't know. I suppose they were trying to find a time period that you could have like a reasonable like reasonably distinguish between the difference like from the 60s to the 90s so like saying 35 years but 35 years was was quite long mm-hmm. yeah you're right they just wanted to have that massive well they needed some reason why he would time travel did you know he didn't see no man as well he does this kind of shit eh <laughs> guy out of time oh my god so I guess the last thing I just wanted to have a little chit chat about it was so because it was so weird watching them raise a kid and educate oh. him alone because it gave me real tingles from from lockdown homeschooling. Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't have anything interesting to say. It was just like, yeah, we all did that, didn't we? I do. Like it is something within the story that for me, I do. I do wonder, like, what would a person really be like? You know, this idea that you could be taught by, you know, your dad's a genius and you've got 35 years to just learn and do nothing else. And he seems to have like this beautiful, happy childhood and be this well-adjusted adult who's all innocent, but like gentlemanly because he's learned how to be a gentleman from his parents and through books and TV, like 60s TV shows. And then he goes out into the real world and just, this idea that he would be able to be, that he would have, his development would have been enough to be yeah. this fully grown adult. I just don't well believe that he would have developed no. well in those, I mean, in that way. First hand. <laughs> first of all, if his parents are like that, there's a good chance that he might not be like neurotypical, just saying. So therefore, <laughs> the impact of him not being socialized would be extreme. You want to be like, there's a good chance that if there's geniuses, a weird genius, that socialize, socialization is like extra important. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, but just, just from my own experience with homeschooling, like the importance of socialization and yeah, how much you can't make up for that. Yeah. How important it is. Like if you, if you don't have something to refer back to, like we are adults we were socialized. We were in lockdown and came out of it anxious, but we had something to refer back to because we'd been socialized. And so yeah. we survived and got back into things. If you never were socialized and you have nothing to refer back to, I can't imagine that it would be easy for you to just like pop up into society and deal with people. People are not just that they're not like that, you know, they get annoyed with you. Like, it's not just like, oh, a person. Like, people have yeah. all sorts of weird things going on all the time. They can snap at you and you're like, oh, why are they snapping at me? It can be very stressful. Right. You know, the weather's bad. You can't cope with the variability of weather when I've had perfect temper control my whole life and suddenly a car is screeches by and this noise is so loud and I'm being mm. splashed with water. And it's like, how do you deal with the sensory explosions? How do you deal with, like, the social situations? I can't imagine anything. Yeah would be easy if you also, were brought up in a perfect environment just the space as well you're like your spatial like the, the fact that like his his entire existence is this specific space 
He knows every corner of that bunker of what of living in this enclosed space. And now suddenly he's in mm-hmm. this like open, huge place and he gets lost. And the fact that when he gets lost, he doesn't like lose his mind in like fear and anxiety and stress because he doesn't know where he is or how to find his way home or, you know, just the fact that he's able to just be super calm about everything and everything will be fine and it'll all just mm-hmm. work out. And you're like, oh my God, I would like, I just, Somebody, let's yeah. remake the movie as to what it would really be like. And let's you mean never room? watch it. <laughs> the movie Room? That's what I was thinking about. Oh, God, about. yeah. Because his eyesight is shit because he had yeah, never saw. Oh, his eyesight because he never saw beyond the walls. Yeah. So his eye, he has no long-sightedness. And he oh, gets wow. vertigo. Looking at the sky gives him vertigo. Right. But I guess because it's the 90s. You know, they don't want to deal with any of that stuff. These yeah, it's not, it's not supposed to be the real thing. It's supposed to be the fun thing. It's the and silly I romantic it. thing. You know what? Yeah, like, exactly. I picked this movie for a reason because I wanted something nice and I got something nice and I'm grateful. Yes. Yeah. So that's Agreed. fine. I'm not going to shoot it. Yeah, it was lovely. But yeah, like homeschooling. Yeah, we can all agree. Shockers. <laughs> Socialize your children. So I reckon that's it. That's it. Yeah. Let's do what the fuck. Okay. What the f- what the f- what the fuck? Yeah, um it's a weird one. I just I don't know why cuz there's like obviously so many things in the movie that I guess you could just go like what, but for me for some reason in the bunker the fact that they had a fish farm was my what? biggest what the fuck. Okay. <laughs> I was like how do you have Okay, I get it. You have electricity. You have like tin food. But now you've got a fucking fish farm? Fresh fish? You're pulling out fresh fish for dinner? What the fuck? How is this happening? How are you keeping a fish farm? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> maybe it's not unreasonable. Farm? Maybe somebody would just be like, they could totally do that. That's super fine given the scope of everything he el- else he has under there. But yeah, I was just like, okay, look, there's fish farm. Cool. <laughs> My what the fuck? I've got my what the fuck was like when they go up to where she lives and it's like this huge house in the suburbs. I was like, what? Like, I was like, why do they live in this like family home in the suburbs? What the? I didn't understand how that, like, I couldn't even. It's classic 90s movies. (laughs) Everyone has unrealistic homes. Family home (laughs) for like these two housemates. One is Eve and the other is like KB. Well, he was like, I'm a web designer, which made him so rich. But they're like, why wouldn't they live in an apartment in somewhere normal for young people? (laughs) It's like the only only thing in the 90s that was ever able to explain the unrealistic living um, uh, living situations of some 20 something year olds was uh friends (laughs) no it was friends when they explained that the uh it was rent control the apartment because they thought that the grandmother still lived there that was the only reason they were able to have that apartment in new york city (laughs) they at least tried to give it a reason every other show like what the fuck is carrie doing carrie bradshaw's apartment like what what is that yeah rent control that's how they explained it yeah oh my god hilarious (laughs) so funny Ah, oh, anyway, all right. I'm tired. This okay. is this is our first recording for ages. I forgot how tiring it is, but I also am a little bit sick. Yes, that's true. Um. Okay. So yeah. that was fun. It was. And let's rate the movie. Oh, Does yeah. it pass Sam's test? No. <laughs> why? Why? What do you mean why? Tell me why. Well, because uh, Alicia Silverstone's character is there to just be the love interest. That's true. And the mother is there. I mean, she's she's fun. She's a great character, but she's still the mother. She's the fucking 60s housewife. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it's a gag. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, my God. The dance scene was pretty funny. Okay. And... Does it pass it? Here comes the science. <laughs> I think it does. Why? Because... Okay, no, it's bonkers. What am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say just in the idea that, like, this thing existed, that people... But no, of course, you wouldn't have had a fallout shelter that big. It wouldn't have gone on that long. What am I talking about? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Sorry. 
Um, I don't know. It's really hard to answer because it's such a silly movie. Nah, it doesn't. No. But it's okay that it doesn't. But it's it's okay. It's fine. Okay, what are we rating it? (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I mean, I gave the context the Cooper Missile Crisis was real and people had fallout shelters and some people were crazy and had really good yeah. ones. I don't know. Like, it's, it's hard to really judge it. So I'll just say three stars. I'll just be like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I agree. We'll go, we'll go with three. We'll go three. All right. Three stars, blast in the past. That was fun. That was a romp. <laughs> What's next, Abby? Um, okay. So I, I am going a bit kooky. Uh, I've been wanting to do okay. this movie for a, a long time. Mm. Uh, I've been I've been holding back on whether okay. to do it or not, and now I'm like, do you know what? It's our two year anniversary. I'm just gonna fucking do it. Oh, Doctor okay. Strange Love. Oh my or god! Or how I learned to love the atomic bomb. Oh, that's amazing segue. Yeah, I'm I excited. Like it. I'm excited. I've been really looking forward to doing it. So cool. yeah. So there we go. Let's Doctor do Strange love next. Love it. Okay. Um, sweet. That is like a huge, just like, that is an about face. Even though it's about nuclear stuff, it's like a totally different style. So I think yeah. I'm going to love it. Uh, all right, cool. So that was fun. That was blast in the past. Thanks for joining us. Next week is episode two of Marvel is Thor 2? Yeah. 3? Thor 3? Two fuck dog world dark, dark, dark world dark world dark world good job good job and then we will do Doctor Strange Love how I learned to stop worrying and love the atomic bomb okay join us next time if you want to get in touch with us please do science at the movies at gmail dot com we're also on Instagram at science at the movies and now we're on TikTok Abby what's yes, the handle we're on TikTok what's uh, the handle the movies sweet love it yep. okay cool nice and easy um <laughs> join us then. Love you lots. Bye-bye. I'm going to love myself.